Charting Toward Intimacy covers mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Charting Toward Intimacy, where we're expanding the conversation around Catholic sexuality. We're your hosts, Ellen and Kathleen. All right, we are back with another Charting Toward Intimacy episode. I'm Ellen. I'm Kathleen, and we are here. We are here. We today, the topic of, or the title of this episode is called A Watched Pot Never Boils. So we're talking about those times when you are like trying to get turned on and it's just like it's not happening and how to kind of work through that, um, some, some tips, um, some ideas. And this is something that like this is real for Kathleen and I. We regularly mm-hmm. struggle with this and we do a lot of research on this. Yeah. So and I would say I want to point out that whatever we're talking about today, whatever like tips and advice, I mean specifically that I might mention are not things that I have come to on my own, but are things that I have learned in doing my own research that I'm doing right now in reading books, listening to other podcasts, um, other professionals. Um, so yeah. And I, maybe we can have a whole other, um, resource at some point where I mention those things, but we don't necessarily want to like mention them if we don't know. Right. Exactly. So here's the thing when it comes to resources on sex, yeah, we've got to talk about that is there are very few Catholic resources on sex that uphold the dignity of the person and uphold the dignity of the act. Um, And so that's Kathleen and I do a ton of research. We read a lot of heretical books um, (laughs) in order to bring that information to you in an accessible way that you also can trust. Um, So yeah. We do a ton of research. This this isn't stuff from um, personal experience. This is stuff that uh, we're learning from uh, books, other resources, classes that I'm taking. You know, all that kind of stuff. That's that's what we're compiling here for you. Exactly. Before we jump into this week's episode, I want to tell you about one of our partners, Tighten Your Tinkler. This is an at-home pelvic floor therapy program that really actually works. One of the things I was most drawn to about this program was the promise of no need for Kegel exercises and no penetrative work. The only Kegels I had to do were at the beginning to get a baseline so I could compare after a month. And my goodness, did I see a difference. I also love the fact that I did not need to go to a doctor's office. I have two kids. You listening probably have that or more. Getting childcare for doctor's appointments makes it prohibitively expensive for most women to get the pelvic floor therapy they need. The average woman spends $900 per year dealing with the issues related to public floor dysfunction, from doctor's appointments to therapies to products that treat the symptoms only. And for less than $600, you can heal the root cause and get lifetime access to the Tighten Your Tinkler program to revisit anytime you need. The code CHARTING50 gets you $50 off the program. Go check out the link in the show notes. Okay, so a watched pot never boils. All right, you're making pasta for dinner. You put the water in the pot. You turn it on. I literally did this the other night. (laughs) Literally exactly this. Go ahead. (laughs) And you stand there and it's not boiling and it's not boiling and it's still not boiling. 
And it's not until you walk away and go do something else. And then all of a sudden you have a rolling boil. Yep. That's what we're talking about (laughs) when it comes to your desire. What happens to particularly women is that um, we've got this like hall monitor in our head monitoring everything we're thinking about it mm-hmm. this I, I've in my conversations with my husband I I was flabbergasted to learn that he doesn't think about what he thinks about yes I think about thinking. what I'm thinking about all the time we like we're like yes. a step away from what we're doing and what we're thinking about all the time we're we're like observing what our brain is doing now I'm not saying mm-hmm. this is always happening And what we're going to really try to encourage you to do is get away from doing that, especially when it comes to desire and, you know, being turned on and um, whatever you want to call that term. (laughs) It's defined in a lot of different ways. And so, but yeah, like I, I just, I was shocked that men don't think about what they're thinking about on a regular basis. And that they can think about nothing. Do you know that? Okay. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. They can, they have, it's like, I'm sure people, other people have heard this, this like, maybe it was like a Ted talk or something. I don't know. I think it was like a a pastor, like a Christian pastor's homily. You're talking about the boxes. Maybe that was it. But they talk about like how women, like, it's like, like a board that's like connected, like everything on the board is just connected. And so when you think of one thing, like it connects to another thing, to another thing, and it just keeps going, it's never ending. Whereas men, when they think about things, they're like little boxes that they pull out and they think about the things just in that box. And then when they're done, they put it away. Yeah, It's like very organized. And, and there is a and box. They have a box. For nothing. nothing. <laughs> they have a nothing box. That they can just pull out and think of nothing. And I was like, does not compute. Does like, not I do compute. not understand how that's possible. Guess what? Men and women are different. Um, no joke. This is not a podcast about gender identity. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. So, so yeah. we want to give you some um, some resource, some some meat to work with here. Um, your desire, your level of desire for your spouse, the the your ability to get turned on has a lot to do with everything else in your life. It actually has very little to do with your sex life. Mm -hmm. Um, It has more to do with your stress. It has more to do with, you know, the kinds of things that you have on your plate mental load wise, right? So what's going on with your kids, house, car payments, finances, you know, what's make what's you're making for dinner like those it's it has so much more to do with everything else that's going on in your head and honestly the majority of that is stress right like it's all right it's big life stressors it's little daily stressors and i think that you know we when we talk about like higher desire and lower desire we, we tend to talk in terms of men being higher desire and women being lower desire and that's not a rule, right? Like that can definitely be reversed and often is reversed in many relationships. But I think because women are the quintessential multitaskers, right? The ones who are maybe working, but also, you know, handling the meals at home and handling the laundry and handling like, you know, 
women tend to take on the majority of daily stressors that it's a lot easier for women to become the lower desire because of all of these things that are constantly weighing us down. And I say weighing us down, but it's just, it's that, it's that, that way of thinking that we were just talking about that interconnectedness, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, when I put my kids to bed at night, right. It's like, okay, I've got to get them down. I've got to read them a story and then I can't just go to bed. I've got to maybe go pack their lunches or I've got to get prep breakfast for the morning, or I've got to put in laundry to make sure they have clean uniforms tomorrow. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's all of those things, like it's stuff never stops um, or stops very rarely. (laughs) So, you know, we have to be more intentional about it. And I think that's why we end up being kind of, you know, tend to be more lower desire. Right. And it's, it's, it's because things are crowding out that, um, capacity for desiring sex. It's not that you have a lower desire for it. Right. It's that everything else is getting in the way. And so it's, it's your job. You listening right now, this is a personal work thing. Yeah. And that's, I think a big point we need to make is that while there's always going to be a level of couple work, right. That needs to be done in regards to intimacy and desire for the most part, it's individual work that needs to be done. Right. This, like you need to take an assessment, right. Of, of what's going on in your head and, um, and then push those things out of the way right? You're not going to be able to eliminate all of them. Um, but you can ask them to, to take a back seat, right? Um, ask that, that thought about, you know, making sure that you leave the house 15 minutes early so you can put gas in the car before you take the kids to school. Like ask that thought to take a step back because you need some space. Yeah, no, I think, you know, I know when I, before I even really started exploring desire, right. And, and how to increase desire and all that, I, I didn't even know, and I'm still figuring it out, right. Like where, what the source of this low desire was, I I didn't even really recognize that I had low desire, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just like, well, what do you expect of me? Right. Like I've got all this stuff on my plate. Like maybe you should take some of it away and maybe that would help me. Right. And that's not, that's not all of it. Right. Like not all of it. It can be a small piece, but it's not, but even then, right. I'm going to put this out there. Even then, when my husband starts doing the dishes at night because he wants to help me so that my desire increases, right? Your like capacity. Then it's all- Let's say like your capacity for desire, right? Because yes. like those, you know, the dishes and the thought about needing to do the dishes is like in the way, think of it as like, like a physical space in your brain. And that yeah. like all of these thoughts are taking up space. And so we need to we need to give your desire space to take up to take up more space to like to increase in that. Like I'm I'm imagining this like circle with all these different little like bubbles in it that like if you can like move the bubbles out of, you know, this like front part of your brain. What's yeah. like, what's yeah. on your mind immediately. If you can move those bubbles out, then the desire bubble 
can start taking up more space. Yes. Now I will say though, there's a, there's a, um, the, the word is like totally leaving my brain right now, but there's a challenge in this as well, because if I start noticing, wow, he's been doing the dishes a lot more so that my desire comes back because he wants to have more sex, right? Then there's a, there's a counterintuitive pressure put on me. He's doing the dishes that where I'm relating, he's doing the dishes because he wants more sex, mm-hmm. right? And now it's like, now there's this pressure like you need to have more sex. He's doing the dishes. Now you need to give him sex. There's, it becomes sort of transactional, right? which does not help desire. Not at all. Right? Well, it becomes another bubble in that circle. Like exactly. right, pressure exactly. to have sex is now right. taking up more space than desire to have sex. And your husband hasn't said a single word. No. <laughs> and all he's done is try to help. Right. So it's like, it's like, how am I supposed to fix this when like he's doing the right, I think he's doing the right things. Right. But it's not helping me at the same time. Like, why is that the case? Why is that happening? And I think that what it comes down to is what I'm trying, what I'm starting to figure out is that in order to increase desire, you need to do all the things opposite of what you think you should do. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's like, it's, it's so crazy. Like, it's almost like you need to take sex out of the equation and just do the things that make you a good wife or make you a good husband without sex, even like being a a factor in it all, you know? And, And it's when you take it out. And I think that's getting kind of to a point that we want to talk about. Yeah. One of the bullets on our outline. One of our bullets, yeah, is like taking sex sort of off the table. Right. Or if you don't want to take sex off the table, which can be – that can be sensitive for certain dynamics, right? But the best advice I ever got about trying to achieve orgasm, try not to (laughs) orgasm. Actively try to not orgasm like while you're having intercourse and that's exactly what i'm talking about right like it's the opposite of what you think you should be doing right because here's the the most effective thing here's the thing that happens when you actively try not is that you end up focusing more on you know okay how can i be a gift how can I like open myself to my spouse? How can I um, give him something in this moment that he'll desire? Maybe rubbing his back or tossing his hair or you know whatever's happening in the moment. Um, and it it steps that um, that monitoring of what's yeah. going on in your brain. It it puts that monitor thinking about other things, and so now suddenly that libido, that desire, that amount of turned onness, kind of whatever phrasing works for you, um, whatever vocab word, that now is given space to grow because nobody's watching it, right? We walked away from the pot of water and it's now going to come surprisingly. And 
sometimes very quickly going to come to a rising or rolling boil um, that might feel very unexpected, but it's like, it sounds so counterintuitive, but I just urge you to try this, try not to get there. So, but we were, we were talking about um, the individual work of, of desire and I think we have a few little pieces of advice that we have learned and are learning currently and are, and are working on and are and- working on um, <laughs> that have been really, really good um, in terms of like, how can I personally by myself without my husband, right? Or wife or right. whatever, um, try to increase my desire. Right. Um, and the biggest thing we talked about is stress being probably the biggest inhibitor to desire, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's life stress. It's daily stress. It's all the stressors. Um, and one thing you can, that, that is really sort of focused on in this work is closing your stress response. And I am trying so hard to figure out how to do this yes. personally. And the reason I'm trying to figure it out is because I don't know how to close a stress response when the stressor is ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So it's the constant stress of, okay, yes. our finances are low right now. And somehow exactly. we have to right? feed, you know, I have to go to the grocery store and feed the whole family. And we also have this car payment and, you know, exactly. Those or like I have, I have this project that I'm working on and it's not going to be done for another month and a half, right? Right. Like I have a month and a half of worrying about this project, right? Whatever it is, um, stress is not always easy to just turn off when it's still always there. Um, So there are things that you can Google though. Um, If you do a Google search for closing stress response, you can find a ton of different suggestions and a lot of it is physical, right? Like having a dance party. Yes. Um, obviously like meditation, right? Um, even like, like different, um, sort of like, like mental health, like coping skills, like giving yourself a hug, like squeezing yourself. Like yeah. Physical- this, is, this is where like tapping. Exactly. Um, those yeah. kinds of things. Like it, it's, we are a body soul being, Yes. Um, so what's going on in our mind can often be the most easily diffused through our body <laughs> Yes, and, and doing something physical to kind of like get us out of that rut that's in our brain. And so, yeah, like dancing and um, a, a really great one is like dancing with your spouse too, because now you're getting like a physical touch aspect but it's like, it's low stress. It's not like, oh, this has to lead to sex. It's like, no, this is just something we're doing to increase intimacy. Like put your, put your wedding song on, um, or just a song you like, if you're like, oh man, I was so young when I picked that song, right? (laughs) (laughs) Mistake. I don't know if anybody feels that way. Um, (laughs) oh man, my husband and I are high school sweethearts. So our song is like, something we listen to in high school and I'm just like <laughs> oh my <laughs> sometimes <gosh. laughs> um other other tips though Ellen what um, else do you have yeah so um physical is is huge for mental load but um another aspect of like this stress response and like mental load these are these are very connected um is and this is particularly helpful in the moment 
um, is, but, but practice it out of the moment. Um, but it's like when a thought comes to your mind, um, about one of those stressful things, like when a stress thought, um, or even just like some other thought of like, oh shoot, I forgot to switch the laundry over. Right. That's not like a super stressful thing, but, um, but it's part of this mental load. It, It can aggravate that stress as well. Um, is practicing like recognizing when a thought comes into your mind and then saying, okay, thanks. And pushing it to the side. Mm. Um, and because again, like if you think about this image of, you know, you've got this circle, you've only got so much space in the forefront of your mind. Um, and when that thought pops in, it's taking up space that your, that your desire needs to take up space, that you want your desire to take up space. Um, and so you need to say, you know, you just need to acknowledge that it happened. Don't get mad at yourself that, oh my gosh, I got off track again. That's what happens. Like things pop into our brains. And so just acknowledge it and push it to the side. If you need to, um, like do something active in the moment. Um, like, like tell your husband, like, oh, I, my, my, brain just got off track again. Like, can you do something to help yeah. me get back on track? Right. That might be, um, asking him to talk to you in some way or, you know, paint a picture for you of where you're at, um, imaginarily. Right. Or, um, or yeah, talking sweetly to you or whatever, like that might help is something odd audible from your spouse. Um, or maybe even like something audible from yourself. Maybe that's, maybe that thought comes in your head. And so, um, to help kind of get your brain back on track is you start talking and you start saying things. Um, again, like whatever works for you, there's so many different options when it comes to talking during intercourse. Um, that's a whole nother episode in itself. (laughs) That's true. That is very true. Um, but but that might be a good way, but just practicing like not getting angry at yourself mm-hmm. for, um, for getting off track because that's going to happen. You need to know that it's going to happen and it's, it's okay. It's completely normal that that happened. And so just say, okay, great. And move it to the yeah. side. It's like listening to the thought and then letting it go. Yeah. Let, let it, it go. go. Let it go. Yeah. And that's not an easy thing. Like, you know, I'm saying it in, in so many words and it's like in the moment you're like, I can't let go of this thought. And then you start thinking about how you can't let go of the thought. And then yeah. you've got this spiral going on. Right. And it's like, you know, take a deep breath. It's okay. Yeah. Let I go. can get back to this after this is done. Right. Right. Like I can let it go for now. It's not going to. Another like, good one. You can, minutes. you can always ask your guardian angel. Hey, could you remind me of that in a little yes. while? Right. Could you, could you pop that thought back into my head later? Because I don't need it right now. Yes. That's so true. And that might seem a little bit like weird for you to ask Mm -hmm. your guardian angel to help you in some way during sex. (laughs) I recognize that that might feel uncomfortable, but, but your guardian angel is there from God to support, protect, and guide you toward God. When you're having sex with your husband, you're getting holier. Like <laughs> sex is a very holy thing. Um, so, so of course your guardian angel would be right there to help you yes. um, and want to. 
Um, yes. Okay, let's let's talk about self care before we uh, before we close out. Yeah. This is a big one too. Um, it is a big one, and honestly, for me to talk about self care is the pot calling the kettle black. Because, <laughs> like, how many times? I mean, my husband has been a saint in regards to like encouraging my self care. And I'm always like the one who's like, no, I don't have the time. I don't like, like I'm not in a a stage of life. Like I'm not in a season of life where I can afford self-care. I've got too many young kids. There's too many to do's. Like I can't afford to give myself self-care right now. Right. Like there's too many kids to care about. Um, and I'm starting to realize now at almost 35 years old that (laughs) there is no excuse to not take care of yourself. Absolutely. Like, and there are there are inexpensive ways of self-care. You know, exactly. our culture is like, oh, self-care is a day at the spa or right, like manicures, you know, every couple of weeks or, mm-hmm. you know, like, and no, it could literally just be driving to the bookstore and just with your own book in hand and sitting down and reading for an hour. Right. Right. Or like it could just be getting out anywhere that you want to go grabbing a coffee and just enjoying whatever personal time for yourself, go to adoration. That'd Have be a some, great choice. Allow yourself just like some quiet time to think your thoughts in the presence of God, right? Like we, yeah. we don't as mothers just constantly giving of ourselves all day long. We have so little time to be with our own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially to be with God in prayer. I feel like that is even, we're struggling to even get that right. Give that to yourself for an hour, two hours a week, whatever, you know, you can afford, you know, with you agree to with your spouse, like take that time, um, or go out and do some shopping. If you know, there's something you need, you need a new pair of jeans, go find a new pair of jeans right? by yourself where you don't have to get kids in and out of the car with you all the time and have them screaming while you try things on in the dressing room. Ask me how I know, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like anything, it could be anything. Yeah. Even sometimes like just grocery shopping by myself. Like I know, I feel like I hear this a lot of like grocery, grocery shopping for moms is not self-care. And it's like, actually for me, I do kind of like grocery shopping by myself. I I enjoy that. I really like shopping and we don't have budget right now for me to go shopping. And yeah. so if I can go grocery shopping by myself, I get that like same enticement of like looking for things and comparing items, deciding which ones to buy and like buying them, right? But I'm not like blowing our budget on. Yes. Shopping for other things, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, like, find what works for you, right? It, you, you may feel like you're in a season, and and I would, I would, you know, hesitate to say that anybody really would be in this situation, but you might feel like you're in a situation where it's like it's not even possible for you to get out of the house an hour a week, and so in that case, okay, wake up five minutes earlier or stay awake five minutes later at night mm-hmm. by yourself, yeah. light a candle or grab a journal, or grab the Bible, or just sit there and leave your phone upstairs, like, and just don't even do anything. Um, Like, I know you can find time in your day to give yourself just you time. Yeah. Slash you and God time. Like, you know, this self-care could absolutely be prayer time and is in many ways is a yeah. prayer. 
Um, and that's and like I think a really important word here is leisure. Um, and a lot of times, especially if you are a mom, leisure doesn't really exist in our day. Um, you know, it, whether you're a working mom or a stay at home mom, which both moms are totally working moms, um, yeah. <laughs> or maybe you're a, you know, a combo of both, right? Leisure, it, spending time with our kids and playing with them is super, super fun. It's never leisure. It's never leisure. Mm-hmm. Like find time for leisure, for letting the stress that's sitting on your shoulders, relax a little bit be able to sit down and somebody else you know is taking care of the kids and you're able to just take a deep breath um Mm -hmm. or you know allow yourself that space to say okay I've got all these projects that I'm working on but for the next five minutes they don't matter at all and you know what can really help when you're you know you give yourself 20 minutes and you're like I'm just gonna relax bring a notebook with you to write down the like things you think of that you need to do, right? Oh, shoot, I need to go pick up a green t-shirt for Johnny because they have, you know, green day at school on Thursday. And yeah. I don't know, that was the first thought that popped in my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have a kid named Johnny, nor do they go to school. Um, but, um, but having something like physical to be able to like write down those thoughts is a really great way. If we're kind of circling back to one of the first pieces of advice we gave you, um, was like learning how to, you know, just acknowledge the thought and then move it to the side, um, is physically doing that can really help with that practice. When you physically write something down that way, you know, it's not going to be forgotten because you wrote it down on this piece of paper. And once you're done with your 20 minutes or your hour or, maybe a couple hours or whatever, like you can go back to that and say, oh, yes. Okay. Here's now here's my to-do list for the day. Right. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and that can just, that I think can be a good first step in, in that practice of acknowledging thoughts and then moving them to the side. I agree. And, you know, I think about it, there was a few weeks ago where I, um, I don't remember where I went or what I was doing. I don't remember if I was with my husband or by myself. I have no idea. <laughs> Can't remember any of the details of this situation, but, um, I was without the kids for like a significant amount of time, right? Like maybe like, like a quarter of the day or like half the day or something. Um, and I was amazed. Maybe my kids were off at their, my, my in-laws or something. I forget, but whatever it was, I was not with them for a significant portion of the day. And I remember coming back to them and just being like, you know what? Like, I feel refreshed and renewed. I feel like I can handle you guys right now. And Mm -hmm. I want to be with you guys. And I want to sit and talk with you. And I want in a way that on the every day when everything's like there, you're just like taking care of everything 24 seven, you don't feel the joy of like being with your kids sometimes, you Mm -hmm. know, or being with your spouse, right? And that's it. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I was going to say is like, there's a very similar, not similar. It's exactly the same. Sometimes it's like absence makes the heart grow fonder. When you can step aside and focus just on yourself and relax and experience that leisure in whatever way is meaningful and, and fulfilling to you, when you come back, your desire is greater. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like you need to let all of that stuff off to come back to your spouse and be like, Hey, I missed you. Right. Like, and now I want to be with you. Yeah. Um, it's that, and finding ways to experience that absence when you live with somebody, right. It's like, like, it's important. It, that's, I've always found that saying to be so insanely true. Absence makes a heart profounder mm. in every situation. Yeah. Um, so find yourself that time, give yourself that absence so that you can come back. You can be refreshed, renewed, and, and really just let, and that desire can build. Um, I think yeah. it's like such a, a powerful thing to do for ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so there's your, uh, your marching orders is let go of watching the pot, you know, walk away right. from it. Absence, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Absence makes the heart grow fonder or it makes the water boil faster. It does. <laughs> right. So just, um, let it go. <laughs> Let's let it go. Thanks so much for listening. If you are not already following us on Instagram, be sure to check us out at charting toward intimacy. And if you listen to podcasts on a platform that gives you the option to rate or review, we'd love for you to do that because it helps us spread the word about the podcast. If you ever have questions, comments, or episode topic ideas, please reach out to us. We love to hear from you. You can reach out on Instagram or send us an email. Our email is in the show notes until next time. 